0: We would like to begin by thanking everyone for supporting us and listening to our first podcast episode. Our next episode will drop this Friday, January 15th, as regularly scheduled, and every other Friday thereafter. However, because of the insurrection by white supremacists that took place in our nation's capital on January 6th, 2021, We felt led to get responses from educators of color. And so we put out a call to colleagues of ours to see what their responses and reflections were about the incident that took place. As such, the format is a little different since we were not all recording together. We hope you enjoy. We hope you share. And we would love to hear any reflection or responses that you may have. We are always open to feedback and suggestions. And I'm handing it over to Sky.
1: The events of January 6th were a complete shock for me. For a building that had not been breached since the 1800s, To be just kind of bogarted into was really mind boggling. I remember sitting on my couch and just staring at the screen in awe, um, going through social media and seeing um, the various reactions of peers and and friends and family. And so um, sitting on my couch and watching it on the news was a really interesting space to be in what made it even more interesting is that if those protesters were people of color that would have went a completely different way I honestly feel like people of color wouldn't have even gotten within 15 feet of the building let alone inside of offices of elected officials It really threw me for a loop. And to be quite honest, I'm really still processing the whole event. Now let's get into what our guest had to say.
0: A native Chicagoan, Christy L. Norwood, has worked in early childhood education for over 25 years, and she has been with Head Start for over 20 Currently holding the position of grantee education manager for Start Early in Chicago, Illinois. And here are some of her thoughts.
2: So as I think about the events of the past um, 24 hours or more, I have to be honest. Um, I'm tired. I'm weary, but I'm not surprised. It's not like um, I saw the events unfolding and I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening. And as I sit and reflect on that, how sad is that? That um, I don't even have the right within myself to um, be surprised. That's something this insidious um, could be taking place in front of my eyes. Um, I've been asked to think about the past day's events from the lens of an educator. But I'm fully aware that I have many lenses that I um, get to see the world through. And I will be honest and say that um, my first reaction was not as an educator, um, it was not as a mother, it was not as a wife, it was myself in my person as a black um female that was watching this uh, terrorism um occur. And for hours I sat In that place, not even thinking as an American or as um, a person um, who America is my personal country of of origin, um, not even as an American citizen, but as a black woman watching this unfold um and for hours I, I i sat in that space and then i began to move on to other lenses so um as an as an educator um i will say that to see yesterday is what um i see as racism in play as a construct right um That when you are dealing with the society that functions from the foundation and from the fuel of racism, what you will see is actions that meet laws that do not equal justice um and clearly that's what we saw um yesterday. Um, Had that group of people that were expressing themselves and demanding their rights been black people, um, there would definitely have been more than uh, 60 arrests and there would have for sure been more than four deaths. Um, And so um, as an educator, I see my sorrow my responsibility and my hope my sorrow is that this is the way that it is and this is what I have to start with as an educator and even as an early childhood educator because racist thoughts racist ideologies racist foundation begin very early children start to make choices based on on biases and color and race as early as four years old um And so when they're old enough to make a choice, I have to be able to sit in the reality of what is, um, to help provide them with, um, a way to make a a better choice. Um, and I have to do that as an educator, knowing that that could have been, um, anywhere, right. And those children, um, some of their parents could have been in that crowd and they would have had to be in my classroom. So my sorrow is that this is the the way that it is. This is in truth. Um, what our country is, this is a mirror. The last four years um, have not been a powder keg. It has not been overblown. The past four years has been the cleanest, mirror that we have been able to look through um, as a country and this is the way it is so that's my sorrow Um, my responsibility is not to sit in my sorrow Um, and even though I have to experience this I have to see this as as a black woman as a black mother to black children Um, a a daughter and a son, as a black wife, um, as a black daughter, um, as a member of the middle class, as someone that grew up in the inner city. Even though I have to see through all of those lenses, I have a responsibility to allow those lenses to help inform me Um, But not to allow them to define me or to restrict me because I am responsible to, again, provide um, information for for better choices. And I think in education, we get to do that so beautifully because we our classroom gets to be a social experiment. if, If I can say that, that we can have rules that apply to everyone. We can have everyone be a part of making choices and making decisions for the entire group. We can give and provide voice um, for for the voiceless. So we have an opportunity to, at a very early age, say this is how human beings um, should function with each other. So I have a responsibility to do that. And finally, I think about the hope, right? I think that by no means... Were everybody's words genuine, even if they sounded good? (laughs) Um, I'm not so naive as to think that one occurrence can change a lifetime of ill will. But one thing I will say is that words have spirit and words have life and that truth is the truth no matter who speaks it. Um, And what's wrong is wrong. um, And what's right is, is right. And I have a hope that as in education we will be able to use our voices more that it's not just um these are the letters of the alphabet and these are your numbers and this is what you need to know but we get to work in a space where we can be as human as we can be and we can help our children um, in our settings be as human as they can be so um those are my reflections on yesterday. Thank you for allowing me to share. Christy's use of the word
0: sorrow really hit me in my chest. She and I have spoken before about protecting our energy. And we started saying that during the election season, 2016. And so I hold on to that advice and we often remind each other of that when things like Wednesday happen. As a woman of African descent, whose nationality is American, working in a predominantly European American space and teaching the youngest scholars, I have to remind myself to extend grace and remember that I am starting from sorrow, disappointment, rage, um, and, and in, some, in some instances, a little a hopelessness. And that when I see my students for the first time after six weeks, to just be with myself, to be honest with myself and to give as much as I am able because I honestly, I'm just emotionally, mentally and energetically drained <laughs> with a capital D um, and could probably use a little more time, but that's not always our reality. Yet, I am encouraged by the perspective of seeing our classrooms as social experiments and hoping that however big or however small, the things that take place in the four walls of our classroom in our mini ecosystem will carry on throughout their academic career. And it will also transcend throughout their lives and that we are doing our part and I'm doing my part in changing the tra- trajectory of humankindness daily from how we care for each other, how we communicate with each other, and how we hold space for each other, how we commune together. So, I will hold on to those things as encouragement, as well as fuel for moving forward from Wednesday.
1: Janae Peters has been an educator for 11 years. She has taught in independent high schools and at the undergraduate and graduate levels. Janae earned an MSW to support her roles in educational environments, ranging from coach and dorm director to school counselor and dean of students. At all times, she is working hard to not only imagine, but to contribute to creating a world where black people freely exercise audacity, cultivate our gifts, and change this chaotic world's trajectory. Here are her thoughts on Wednesday.
3: So thank you so much, Multiversatility University for making the space and time for me to share my response to the events that happened on Wednesday afternoon in DC. Um, I'm Janae Peters. I'm a high school educator and have been for the past eleven years, and I'm just really grateful um, to have space to reflect on this as an educator, um as a black educator, and as a, a black woman educator as well. So I would say there are really three things that characterize my experience um, in witnessing the domestic terrorist breach, capital security and run rampant in the building in a way that does not even feel possible to me as a black woman in the USA. The first of those three things um, was actually a meme that I saw that included Patti LaBelle's face as a response. Um, at first I was honestly a bit amused by the rally. So I kind of had that thinking that was like, uh, here we go again, another rally. Um, and after a short while though, that amusement turned into a sort of disgust. Um, so using the meme pick where Patty LaBelle is kind of like, like sitting there like that, I would say at first in the amusement, my eyebrows were kind of up and soft at first, just kind of like, what is going on? Um, and as things continue to transpire, um, they move downward more into that furrowed brow. Um, when the news stations noted, that the domestic terrorists had breached the Capitol security and were in the halls of the Capitol vandalizing offices, I was disgusted by the fact that um, that could only have happened with permission. Like that doesn't just happen. And that no one who looks like me could even have gotten close. And worse, that we would have been murdered unmasked for even trying to get there. Um, None of that was lost on me. Um, So that fueled a lot of that disgust. It's an event that reminds us how all black and brown um, people, how all black and brown people's humanity um, is perceived and valued or really not valued right. We don't get to demonstrate against failures of democracy or any other humanity, we can't even get close without being persecuted, but this was just able to happen. I would say the second thing I thought about was how isolating it was going to feel to exist in predominantly white spaces the day after. In my case, in the school environment or other environments, the grocery store really didn't matter but I was focused a bit on school uh, despite the fact that they're remote, that we are remote right now. Um, So many white people were shocked and devastated as everything was happening and it was as though they were seeing clearly for the first time the true state of our union, the state of our nation. I don't live in a body or live an experience that makes this situation shocking, surprising, or embarrassing to, to me at all. And knowing what would be required or expected of me at work um, was not something to which I was looking forward. As a high school teacher, um, I know that we often anticipate our students' responses to current events, um, especially political and social events. As the only African-American teacher at my school, I anticipated what doing the work was going to look and feel like in my mind and body and I wasn't I wasn't looking forward to that I knew I needed to rest up I couldn't stay up and watch that I just I had a sense that it was going to be tough um, these moments because this isn't the first and it won't be the last but they always feel like sort of an impossible sacrifice the emotional labor that goes into it um, can feel heavier than other types of labor and because people don't see the emotional exhaustion, emotional labor, and because it's not an extra course or an extracurricular activity, because it's not what's seen in our contract is going above and beyond, um, it's not always acknowledged. I am incredibly lucky right now that my current workplace has been attentive and responsive to this fact in a big way, more than really any institution I've been in relationship with. But heading onto Zoom on the day after it was difficult nonetheless. Um, I wanted nothing more that day than a break. Not requested time off, but offered time off. I didn't want to have to ask for it. I wanted someone to say, take it off because I suspect what you're experiencing. I'm not in an administrative position, so I'm not responsible for creating um, responses to these kinds of things in my current environment, Um, but it does feel different to me and my body to do it, to do even the stuff that's asked the teachers. It's a lot. And it's not because of the domestic terrorists invading the Capitol, but because of every everything in this nation that has led to that moment being possible. It added water to an already full Mason jar with nobody prepared for the overflow, it's too much. I would say that the third thing that characterized my experience was feeling grateful for the number of educators and administrators that understood that the day after that attack could not be business as usual. That's a big shift, I think, for us in the larger scheme of things. Um, What came with that, though, was also concern about how much performative allyship would be taking place in schools across the nation, and really worrying that many educators still haven't quite learned the value of learning about where the students are, meeting them there, and measuring their responses accordingly. I wonder what Black students would need to know in order to process this event. I wondered how long it would take before they could make sense of it and who would support that meaning making. It wasn't all going to happen the next morning, I knew. My heart ached for all the Black students in schools who would have to hear, you know, this isn't the country I've known or loved or those people don't represent true patriotism. And for all the Black students who would see some of their teachers kind of rejoice in the happenings or not condemn them. I would say or worse, I think I just said worse, but or worse to see their teachers on the news at the riots. My heart ached for the black students and predominantly white schools who, if they honestly and openly shared their feelings in the spaces schools provided, they might have ostracized themselves socially because people still struggle with understanding racism. And that's you know, everyone in the environment, students and teachers alike. And Like when i say that in the environment that people struggle with understanding racism like it's i don't mean it as a concept or a theory but i mean like struggling to understand what it is how it works and their complicity in it um, as a system as a deeply ingrained a deeply embedded system in our nation my heart aches that for anyone black or brown to voice the harder truth might mean not having their contract renewed in the future and not and that not being um, noted as the cause, but that really being it, or not being seen as a team player. My heart ached because all of those things happened because the demographic of people couldn't stand that the world might not look the way they wanted it to look, even if what they hoped for does not even serve their best interest. My heart ached because the Confederate flag as symbol and war cry has come out of the shadows. My heart ached because it became easier for other white people to distance themselves from the terrorists and likely no longer feel the need to examine their privilege and power. My heart ached. My heart ached to be an educator. My heart ached to think about what this means for the future of education. And even in that ache, right, like there's always hope and part of it is we don't have time for despair. Existing in my black body in doing what I do means that I don't have time for despair. Like I have time for hope, but that doesn't mean that my heart doesn't ache. That doesn't mean that it's devastating to think about what it looks like to enter virtual or actual spaces uh, where people are, are contemplating things anew that we have known and known for generations and generations. I think that what has happened has opened the door for us to be more audacious in the ways in which we approach education and, and particularly in the the ways in which we we really seek to support the education of black and brown students in this nation. And I think that one of the lessons that I take from this moment and, and people's responses to it um, is that we better be prepared um, because this is not it. Uh, So I say all that uh, still coming from um, a place of having checked in with my own supports, because that's necessary, of having started to voice some things that have just felt so true for me, like I'm just exhausted. And I've said it on every meeting today, I've said it in every text that has come through. And I, I think that there are some serious uh, repercussions and implications for what it means to to be black and to be educating, and it's not that does not suggest that i'm not fired up that i'm not ready to go that i don't know what needs to happen next but it does mean that that there's a like there there are there are repercussions for what we're feeling and experiencing and what i know now even more than i knew before is that what's going to be required of me um, is to rest up and restore um, and get ready to keep fighting this fight because it's not over thank you all again for offering this space uh to do this work and this thinking um and and to have discourse around it um, and looking forward to the podcast and hearing more from you too about uh, what's going on in the multiverse all right take care and thank you.
1: Janae said some things that really stood out to me. Um, The first thing she said, she mentioned her feeling of disgust. And then she mentioned how um, something like that just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. And so that really struck me because um, I feel the same way. I feel like something of that nature just doesn't happen. Um, The Capitol is a building that is... Uh, tightly secured. Um, there are uh, levels, right, to that building. You can't just waltz in that building whenever you feel like it. Even upon having an appointment, even upon having a reason to be in the building, um, there there are still proper channels that one must go through, right? So for someone to even, or just or for a group of people to even just be able to get into that building for, um, the, uh, individuals that were responsible for protecting the building for them not to take the group that was gathering seriously, um, really brings me to the next point that Janae talked about where she said that really the event really highlighted the lack of value for black and Brown lives. Um, for example, there was a young lady that was having a mental illness episode, um, and I believe her car crashed into like the arm of a federal building. Um, she wasn't intentionally trying to get in the building. She was in the middle of a mental illness episode and her car was shot up. She was shot at with her child in the car. And so for one individual to, um, a breach, Right. A federal building on accident. And it wasn't even technically the building. It was outside of the building for this particular um, black individual to have uh, unintentionally breached the building and got shot up. Um, but at the same token, thousands of white people were outside of this building and the the security, the officers, they did not take this large crowd seriously. They did not take proper precautions. That really did resonate with me. And then she said something. She said, we as black and brown people, we don't get to demonstrate against the failure of democracy. When we try to demonstrate against the failure of democracy, when we try to stand up for Uh, things or areas where we, as black and brown people, feel like we have been done wrong, we are immediately seen as targets. Targets are immediately placed on our backs. But for whatever reason, the, the, the white individuals that were outside of the Capitol did not pose that same threat. It is very interesting to me also.
0: Originally from Atlanta, Georgia, and currently teaching third grade in denver colorado jonathan baker graduated from clayton state university with a bachelor's in middle grades education and he focuses on student-led instruction here are his thoughts about the events that took place on wednesday
4: hello my name is jonathan and i was asked to share short reflection about Recent events that have taken place. I guess first want to start off by saying that I got home Wednesday afternoon and because I'm habitually addicted to watching the news, watching events unfold, saw the madness, the chaos that was taking place at the Capitol building in D.C. and like just as that progressed, just feeling more and more deflated as that day and that went into the evening. And I wasn't quite sure at first why I was feeling the way I was feeling. And then I realized the reason was, was because something else had happened earlier that day which should have been cause for celebration uh it was something i was quite proud and ecstatic about and that was the results of the runoff election in georgia where a black pastor from martin luther king's own church and a young 33 year old jewish man are going to be representing our state, sorry, my state of Georgia. Uh, first time in history of this country, either of things have happened for the state of Georgia. Um, and I know there was not technically a direct link between those Senate results and the storming of the capitol building but i do think they are related um in that it just seems over and over again we repeat these events in our country's history when we make progress there's always something that happens that seems like we've made no progress at all Um, And as I am saying this, I'm thinking maybe that's a little negative-minded in thinking. So I would like to not, not ignore what happened. Definitely need to acknowledge that event and call it out for what it is. And what it was, was unbelievable amount of privilege for a specific class of people. But I want to put more weight, more feelings, more light on the fact that we made major history in Georgia. Uh, So Georgia born citizen myself, I could not be more happy, couldn't be more proud to be from Georgia. Um, I knew it was possible, but did I think it would happen? No, did not think it would happen. Um, and at the same time, also acknowledge all the hard work, people like Stacey Abram, people like Fair Fight, uh, all the grassroots organizations, Basically, everyone in and from Georgia who helped make that possible, who helped get out all those votes. Y'all did that, and y'all should own that, and you do own that. So, congratulations to you all. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. We'll see what happens next. Looking forward to Better times, brighter future. I'm not, I know it's not going to come easy, so we will see. Uh, fingers crossed. Good luck. Thank you, everyone, for listening to my semi-rant. <coughs> and you guys take care. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. One the rest of your spring. And uh, start making some summer plans. Some real summer plans. Bye-bye.
0: Two things that really resonated with me about what Jonathan said were the acknowledgement of the insurrection as well as talking about lens and perspective. So particularly for me as someone who studied journalism in high school and college, the point of view of the media and how they have been complicit these last few years as well as social media platforms and allowing things to be fed and so again it's not surprising that things got to where they have gotten because if you feed something it generally thrives and gets bigger and um so there's that for me as well as the importance of words and again Just paying attention to what we notice and the difference in wording like protester versus rioters or insurrection versus, yeah, I don't even know what they're trying to call it. (laughs) Like, I actually, I find that when I hear wording that is untrue, that is not facts, that I tune it out. And secondly, as we dissect this and continue to have conversations about it, whether it's with our friends, our family, colleagues, students, that the lens and perspective of which people are coming from, going back to what Christy said, so many different lenses that we react to this event And so many different perspectives, even how I felt about it as it was happening Wednesday and how I feel about it now days later and how I may feel about it um, a week from now. So two really important things that struck
1: me. It was important for Kamisha and I to gather some educators from across the United States to shed light and bring their voice around the insurrection that happened on January 6th. It's it also got us to thinking how can we better prepare our students not so much for um in a situation like that, but how can we prepare them for life? How can we teach them that sometimes you may win and sometimes you may lose but that is okay thank you guys so so much for joining us we really really wanted to add our voice to what is happening because class is always in session